Welcome to the E6 Podcast. The E6 Podcast is a place for candid conversations from Colonial Church, where we will dive deeper into what our church community is learning, what's going on in the world, and how it all applies to our lives as Christ followers. All right, everybody. Welcome back to episode number nine, E6 Podcast from Colonial Church. We are glad to be here. My name is Brooke. We also have Lauren Jones and Tanner Hodges. Tanner, who is extremely excited to be here. I As just always. I just wanted to steal it from As you. As always. Just, you beat him to the punch there. <laughs> That's right. It's my line. Hey. <laughs> That's what you're supposed to say. You guys doing okay today? Yeah, man. I'm doing great today. I am doing great so much better than I deserve. I, I stole that line from somebody a long time ago, and every time somebody asks me how I'm doing, I just it comes to mind because life is good. That's good. Life is good. Good. That's good. Well, uh, good. We're, we're still uh, we're Zooming again today. You guys are back in, the, back in the studio, and I am still stuck at home as uh-huh. we are hopefully wrapping up our quarantine over mm-hmm. the next day or two or I three. hope for your sake. I hope your wife just gets better and better soon, man. Yeah, man. She is doing better, and that's great. Our kids are losing their minds. (laughs) I bet they are. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Speaking of wives, I wanted to go ahead and bring this up. Um, I didn't prep you guys for this at all, but we did get a question, and uh, it says, um, how did the BLT, that's Brooke, Lauren, and Tanner, if uh, if you haven't caught on to that, how did the BLT land such smoking hot wives? Um, Who posed that question? Is that one of our wives that posed that question? Because otherwise uh, it seems terribly inappropriate. It's possible. <laughs> it's possible. Uh, yes, I will out. I will out. Uh, that was Doris the chicken. <laughs> nice. Uh, Doris the chicken. And the shout chicken. out to Caroline Wooten, uh, who like owns nice. Doris the chicken. Well, and she knows our wives, and she respects their hotness. Yeah. I respect the question. I I, I'm going to say, I, I, I have struggled with this for a long time with the, the phrase smoking hot wife, like that drives me insane. Why? Why does yeah. that bother you? So I have been a part of multiple churches over the past uh, couple decades of working in church, right? And the one thing that it seems like moves from church to church, and maybe it's just the evangelical churches that I've been in or, or something along those lines, but we, we always talk about our smoking hot wives. And I'm like, man, why can't we talk about how awesome wait, our wives wait, are do and how we? wonderful That sounds are. terrible. Do we really do that church to church? That sounds awful. I'm not saying that it's happened here. I don't. I don't remember well, it having just heard did. it here. Yeah, you're it, implying it, it to did. all of our listeners that we sit around talking about. No, 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 no. I'm wives. saying like it's. It's. I don't know what it is, but it's like it's something that happens at, at multiple <laughs> churches that I've been in. That when we talk about our wives from the stage, it's like, oh man, let me introduce you guys. This is my smoking hot wife, and it's like, right? How, okay. how come I'll, she can't just be an awesome wife? And like, this is this is I'll my amazing that. partner in life, and the things that you know. It's like it just. You know what? Just, I think it's, it's so I think loaded. it's a lack of creativity on our parts. <laughs> Seriously, I think it's just us. We want to defer to the greatness of our wives, and we want to be loving and honoring. And I think we're so either stupid or lazy, <laughs> or or maybe God forbid, we're even fallen into the way we objectify women way too much, mm. and mm. so we we default to the smoking hot Preach. compliment. I, yep. Can we own that for a minute? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so we did land that question from apparently I'll, a chicken. I'll answer and, that question on a serious yeah, note. Go. Uh, two two things. One is it's God's grace. It's 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 the unmerited favor of God that gives me. I'll speak for me, a wife that's just way prettier than me and way more awesome in so many ways. 
But also, like, can I can I be honest? Uh, how many women have you met and and thought to yourself, how did she land that guy? Like, he's awesome. How did she? Like, never. That never happens. It's in always my the life. other way around. It's always the other way around. I meet some doofus of a dude, and and it's like, how did he get with her? She's so <laughs> amazing. She's so funny. She's so sharp. She's so pretty. I, I don't know why that is. We, well, we speak men, for yourself, we man. Shelby just... thought I had money, <laughs> and she was dead wrong. She was dead wrong. <laughs> I had my wife going. We were dating, and she's like, what are you going to do? I'm, oh, I'm going to be a businessman. I'm going to make lots of money. Uh-huh. She had no idea that I was going to go into ministry. I'm not sure she'd have signed up for this. <laughs> Same. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, I wanted to give us the opportunity to talk about how wonderful our wives are and how amazing they are and how... Um, I mean, at least speaking for myself, I think you guys would join in with me that uh, we really don't get to do the things that we do without the support and love and uh, probably direction and guidance and oh, yeah. guardrails and everything else that our wives are for us. And I have an I have an idea all of a sudden, and, and I may regret no, this. Just, uh, what? I think you know what I'm going to say, too. What if, <laughs> and, and this is knowing, Brooke, your wife, Kara Kay, has a podcast, uh-huh. She's gifted tremendously in that area. Uh, Tanner, your wife Shelby is stinking hilarious. Might get us in trouble. Definitely will get us in trouble. And me my, specifically. My wife <laughs> is is uh, well. I just think she's amazing. What if we plan ahead and the BLT wives own a podcast for? A week? Oh no! Hmm. Like how cool would that be to have their candor? Your definition of cool and my definition of cool are a little. I think that'd be one. I think it'd be incredibly entertaining. Yeah. Two, just to get their perspective on colonial ministry and you know events of the week, and I don't know, I'd be excited about that. It would be it'd be a risk. I'm, I might not. Well, all three of us may not have jobs the following week, <laughs> but we could blame our wives, right? I, I think I all. think we consistently have our jobs because of our wives. No doubt. Yeah, dude. Reining us mm. in. Talking us yeah. off ledges. So you said something, Lauren. We're going to move on here. You said something last week, and um, I, I I wanted to go back to it because it uh, it caught me off guard in the moment. I didn't know how to respond. Um, you said, and I I, I I should have gone back and and found the context exactly, but I can't remember what it was. I'm but sure you it was said brilliant. something. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you you said uh, that. I don't remember if we were or 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 whatever, but you said the phrase "jumping the shark," yes, and and uh, Tanner didn't respond to it in, it's, it's in before any way. Tanner's time. I have no yes. idea what he was talking about. I, okay, thank you. Why do you, I was like I was wait, wait, I almost wait. stopped because I was like I don't know what's going on oh, right no. now. Oh no, no, Brooke, you don't know either. No, I'd never heard that. Okay, Dude, you're old. I don't. Well, it's definitely old, <laughs> but but I'd like to think, and I may just be wrong. I'd like to think that this term has survived way past <clears throat> its time because it's been used in pop culture in different ways. And I'm going to look it up after this episode. We'll talk no, about it. No, I did. Again. I did. Oh, okay. I, I was like, I, I need so, to know. Like, I don't get it. And so I still, co- I th- even reading the Wikipedia page, I still am like, I'm not really sure I fully Well, that's weird because Wikipedia is always really helpful. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> but a- apparently, uh, you, so go jump, ahead, go explain. Jumping the explain shark. Yourself. And, and, and let me say this. This is before my time, before you guys give me uh, a hard yeah, time okay. for how old uh-huh. I am. But there was this show back in the, I think it was the 60s. I don't remember how old it is. Hey. Before my time called Happy Days. Happy and Days. It had are Arthur again. Fonzarella or the Fonz. The Fonz, man. The Fonz. Uh, Henry Winkler played this guy, black leather jacket, cool mm-hmm. dude, motorcycle rider. 
and Happy Days had this run. I don't even know how long it was with Ron Howard and others. Mm-hmm. And it was it was Seems very like popular, time. super popular show. May have been like the number one show for at least a, a stint. Right. And then there, it finally started getting a little <clears throat> cheesy, evidently, or or not being really getting cheesier. We'll say okay. And then there was this episode where the Fonz. I don't know if it was a dare or some kind of contest, but he had to jump on his motorcycle on this ramp over this shark tank. And it was so preposterous, so ridiculous, that critics point back to where that show just went due south all of a sudden, and critics hated it, and popularity of it went down. And so then after that, they would talk about how Fonz jumped the shark or how, oh, Happy Days was great till he jumped the shark. And so you could say, for example, you could say uh, Star Wars arguably jumped the shark when episode one came out. Dude, you're picking fights now, man. I'm picking I... huge fights, and I'm a Star Wars <laughs> fan. But four, five, and six, fantastic movies, and then we get these awful child actors and bad CG and um, – What's his Jar Jar Binks? And you can just go, oh, Star Wars was great. It jumped the shark in episode one. <laughs> jumped the shark. See, okay, that, that makes, so it's like that it's, it's, gotten, sense, right? it's gotten bad. Like it's gotten it, bad. Because it, 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 it took a turn. Because Picture it on a trajectory of good. Because the Fonz turned literally on his motorcycle. He literally the jumped a shark. And the show tanked from there. You could so argue. According to, Wiki, according to Wikipedia, he was actually water skiing That's over right. this Thank you. in Sorry, his leather the, jacket. Because Which is they so wanted realistic. to show off his like real life Henry Winkler's real life um, skiing capabilities, and so ah, yeah, I don't know. That's even but more. I had to go look it up because you said it, and I was like, I, I don't, I have no idea what that means no, or do. what we're doing now. It would be it would be helpful just for fun. It, it, you could use our podcast at colonialchurch.com. I would love to hear <laughs> different examples he of needs how some things help. have jumped the shark. Jump the like shark. bring us some. Pop culture examples, or maybe even real life examples of how something or someone we may have jumped the shark right here. Colonial what, was going really well, and then they nine. jumped the shark. Episode nine is when they jumped the shark. Episode nine <laughs> <laughs> didn't make it really very long. Went downhill eh? after that. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. Okay. Anyway, um, anything going on in your lives we need to talk about before we dive into this conversation today? Dude, we are uh, we, we we launched worship school last week. Oh, that's right. Yeah, nice. Uh, we got thirteen students. I love it. Um, seven coaches. So uh, we made the decision. Normally, we we house worship school in our in our homes uh, most of the time. Last time we did worship school, we had six students, but uh, with the pandemic and all that stuff, we just weren't sure what we were gonna do. Wait, let me get this right. You doubled your enrollment. We doubled our enrollment. That's awesome. <laughs> what are we thinking? <laughs> uh, and yeah, so uh, we actually have uh, we're recording. You know, I think most of our listeners know by now we record on Mondays our po- podcast. But uh, we have worship school happening tonight, so students are going to come to the house and uh, jump into this conversation of worship and identity. And um, dude, it's my it's 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 the most fun that I have in ministry. Um, mm. It's when I feel a really like <laughs> I was telling. Uh, I was telling one of our volunteers, one of our team members up here, um, uh, that I can deal with a lot of mess whenever I'm doing the things that bring me Ooh. joy, and Ooh. worship school brings me joy. And because of that, I can deal with a lot of other stuff happening. I totally me. relate to that. I think <laughs> so, that's true for everybody with any like job. Podcast. Is if I if I get to yeah. do this aspect of my job, if I get to do these mm-hmm. two aspects of mm-hmm. my job, I can put up with the and junk put up with a lot. Yeah. I got to do or the people, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Yeah. yeah. 
Hey, I, for those of you that don't know about Worship School 2, like I, that's been one of my favorite discoveries coming to Colonial the last couple of years is to find out that before I got here, you, Tanner, were literally in a cohort with people across the country, mm-hmm. flying out to Georgia from time to time and being a part of 10,000 Fathers and this yeah. amazing worship school experience mm-hmm. that literally was about your own discipleship, your own growth, yeah, uh, personally and as a worship leader, as a pastor to people. Mm-hmm. And so to see that unfold and you to take some people here locally under your wing... And now, I mean, all jokes aside, to see it double in our in your second some second run at it, second track, mm-hmm. uh, and to just not even know where it's going to go from here, and the way we can bless other churches in our community, I'm excited about worship school. Man. Yeah, we're we're pumped up about. I it. love that it puts a pep in your step. I yeah. can see it. Yeah, ten thousand followers was incredibly uh, formative for me, man, and uh, uh, the relationships I formed in ten thousand fathers uh, has carried on to today. They've become my very best friends, and our families getting together and uh, speaking into some things. And it has just fueled what we do here in our city, recognizing that, you know, we need this. Um, and uh, I'm just excited about where it can go. And we're just kind of like uh, little kids on the journey with it. You know, mm. I have no idea where the father's taking us, no idea where God's taking us, but like we're along for the ride and just going to enjoy the scenery as we go, you know? Love it. So yeah, that's, that's what's going on in our life. In the Hodges home, you know? That's awesome. Um, today is our, uh, my, my wife and I's unofficial anniversary. Uh, as at 13 years we've been married, so shout out to my wife, Kara Kay. Love you. What, what? That's right. Kara Kay James. My smoking awesome wife who doesn't. Smoking awesome. <laughs> I thought we weren't That's, right. that's like that. a neg. That's, you could, if, she could take it as a negative. What, so I'm not hot now? I can see her shaking her head right now. I can yep. promise you she uh, feels similar to me. <laughs> she also this thinks is, she's This is a conversation hot. we've had before. <clears throat> Wait, what? Yeah. Okay. She's not just hot. She's awesome. Right. She's brilliant. Right? That's right. That's anyway, that. so that's our anniversary. I really so feel like this happy, is Happy anniversary. Yeah, we're we're pretty excited to do that. We uh, love you guys. Anniversary during quarantine. Thanks for bringing your thanks for bringing your family to Wichita Falls. And dude, I remember just real quick before we move on, I remember y'all showing up, and it was Kenzie was the youngest in the family. Yep. And dude, she looked like Boo. She had like Boo from oh, Monsters yeah. Inc. Had these yep. little pigtails, and oh, yeah. dude, she was the cutest running around yep. our church. She man, was, she was about three. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Gosh, long time ago, man. Yeah, uh, two or three. Yeah. That's awesome. I love it. All right, so we have a conversation to get into here. Um, We are in the middle of our series. Actually, we just ended our series, I should say. We don't talk about that. Difficult topics the church ignores. We spent a couple weeks talking about grief and the ways that uh, we don't deal with grief and loss well. We try to move on pretty quickly. Then last week, we watched a movie called Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson, uh, or, or from the book that Brian Stevenson wrote, his story of his life. And, uh, and this week, um, we had the chance to listen to Pastor YB, Pastor Youngblood from YB. Unity Church. And uh, if you haven't heard him, we interviewed him back in episode five. You can go back on the podcast and listen to that, but you definitely should watch this uh, this message from the past week. And um, and yeah, Lauren, lead <coughs> us into this. What's, uh, what's going on here? Well, first of all, you're throwing me off because we ended the series. We don't talk about that. So I didn't know we were going to talk about this anymore. Oh, I thought we were done. <laughs> I thought it ended I on don't. Sunday. Difficult end. conversation time was over. Over. Difficult conversations we used to talk about. No, it's 
in all seriousness, I love that a couple of people grabbed me yesterday and said, is this mean we're done having difficult conversations? Mm. And, and they had this look of fear that I was going to say yes, you know? <laughs> um, I, I have really, I don't know if enjoyed is the right word, because I've, I've felt the tension and the weight these last few weeks, um, especially leading up to the last two weekends of talking about uh, Just Mercy and all the questions that come from there. Uh, and at the same time, I love that we've gone there. I love that we've, I love what YB said at the very beginning of his interview uh, that I don't believe we shared yesterday morning, but the very beginning of his interview, he said, as brothers in Christ, we should be able to talk about anything. Mm -hmm. And I assume everybody listening right now, it resonates with, yeah, but we don't. You know, like there's just certain topics that seem off limits or or seem too difficult to step into because it just it takes a lot more energy or uh, or we disagree. And so we don't want to really go there. And so there's that fine line somewhere in there where we don't want to just rile everybody up and and be divisive. And um, and all at the same time, I can't stand elephants in the room. I feel like that's that's my journey in the church if I can be honest, as an adult, longtime churchgoer, is I just feel like there are a number of things that everybody, including me, is talking about. Uh, we used to call it water cooler conversation. I guess in the pandemic, we don't have water coolers anymore. But um, <laughs> coffee shop conversations, you know, friends, friends talking in the car, friends talking at the bars. And we talk about it everywhere except church. Everywhere mm -hmm. except the Bible study. Uh, in fact, we say, hey, let's leave politics out of these conversations. Uh, mm -hmm. Hey, let's leave this this subject out of these conversations. And mm -hmm. and then we go off and we talk about it everywhere else. And so I just don't get it. I don't get why we wouldn't talk about it, especially keeping our faith in Jesus central to every conversation. If he, if he affects, if our love for Jesus, our commitment to Jesus affects every part of our lives, then every other part of our life, every subject matter, how, how does that affected by Jesus? How is that impacted by my faith and trust in Jesus? And that's what we've tried to do here. I think we've scratched the surface, um, but I'm so appreciative to people like Brian Stevenson to give us a story to talk about. I'm so appreciative to YB, Pastor David Youngblood, for being our guest, in effect, yesterday morning. Um, I guarantee you some people think that's one of my better sermons, and the irony is I really <laughs> didn't have much to do with it. <laughs> um, but it's been, a, it's been a joy of sorts to, to step into that with you guys and with our other pastors and uh, with our church, for yeah. sure. It's been really cool to see the, the fruit from that, you know? Even if, even if there are disagreements or whatever, um, the fact that conversation is being had mm. but just not 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 dictated you know right but <clears throat> in some different groups there's conversation now being had that maybe didn't exist a few weeks ago you know you know you you hit on that tanner that's i don't know how much this has come through in conversation or in teaching on stage or anything like that but i'll bet there's an assumption by a lot of people uh that for example, I, as, as teacher here, primary teacher here at, at Colonial, you know, am trying to communicate a truth. I'm trying to dogmatically say, this is true. And hands down, that's part of 
of Bible teaching. Mm-hmm. That's part mm-hmm. of leading as a Christian leader is to get downright dogmatic about different things. Jesus sure. is king. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the incarnation, the fleshing out of the God of the universe. There's certain things that are indisputable to us, not debatable. Let's get dogmatic about sure. it. Mm-hmm. The, the subject matter we've tackled for the last four weekends is much more of, can we just talk about this? Can, can you turn to your spouse and have a conversation about this? Can you turn to your best friend and just ask some questions? Can you find somebody different than you that might think differently than you and just ask? Don't don't lose what you're anchored in, in your right. trust in Jesus and your groundedness and who you are in God's eyes and those kind of things. But can we just have difficult conversation? And so even our questions, the few questions we've provided to our groups have not been, hey, make sure leaders, make sure you teach this, this, and this, or make sure you reinforce this really important truth. It's been much more ask your people, hey, what do you think? Mm. Hey, hey, um, who's out of sight, out of mind for you, like Walter McMillan mm. and, and people on death row are? Who, who do you just not even think about that are the least of these that God wants you to be more intentional about loving? Mm. And, mm-hmm. and it's not, there's, there's not even a right answer. It's just, <laughs> what do you think? You know, mm-hmm. and so I think in some ways that's difficult because I think I think some of us go to church eager for some answers, uh, eager for some clarity of thinking, clear you know specifics of direction, and we have to provide those. But there's there's a lot of us too that just need to be stirred up to wrestle with. Okay, the Holy Spirit's in you too. The Holy Spirit is alive and well in your life. Do I trust? the same Holy Spirit that's alive in your life to convict you of sin, to convict you of direction, to convict you of creative ideas. Let's talk about that. So at side rant, I, I hope we have done that well. And I hope this conversation, all jokes aside, I hope we're not done. I hope we, the podcast has got to be one of these places guys over the next weeks and months where even if it feels out of place, we bring back up some of these issues and, and readdress them or have a different guest on to keep the conversation going. I really want that. Yeah, I yeah. think it's a, a, a pretty big distinction um, that you make there as far as we're, we're not trying to provide the answers, um, just trying to have the conversation. And, and I think that's, that's what stands out is that that's not how the rest of our world works, right? We, we, when we watch the, you know, a 24 hour news channel, they're telling us what to think. And <laughs> yeah. depending on which channel you watch, you have different set of facts, if you will. You know, if you, if you're on Facebook or you're on Twitter or, or Instagram or whatever, we don't, we don't, um, foster places for conversation. We're always trying to shut it down. It's like, this is the truth and this is the answer. And if you don't accept that, either you're going to get mad in my comments or you're just going to keep on scrolling past it. And so I think it's a big distinction. Like, I think it's, that's why it might be really difficult is we want somebody to provide the answers but we also want them to agree with what we think too, and so that's where that's where that conversation and the difficulty of having those different perspectives and different uh, um, life experiences and things like that brings to the conversation. Agree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm still I'm still really curious what our people are thinking. If I can be that bold, um, we haven't got the number of questions this week from people yet that I'd hoped we'd have. Uh, I have to believe a lot of wheels are spinning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to, I choose to believe conversations are happening. Um, but it's, it's one of the challenges of leading, you know, any reasonably sized church is you can't know what everybody's thinking. 
Uh, you, you hear some some squeaky wheels from time to time, whether it's criticism or it's affirmation and excitement, but you really don't know what a lot of people are thinking. So because this is such a difficult subject matter, uh, my hope, uh, not just that we're talking, but that we're being intentional, uh, even coming to leadership. I Man, we welcome it. If you can hear it for the 27th time, we welcome your questions, your pushback, your frustrations, your confusion, your excitement, any of those things, it's a blessing. It's not, it's not a weight of um, fatigue that comes from that. It's, it's welcomed uh, because that's, I long for that. I, I'll say it again. I have, maybe I haven't said this in a while, but I will buy a cup of coffee uh, or, for that matter, the beverage of your choice uh, anytime to sit down and talk. That, that's one. You say worship school, Tanner, mm-hmm. gets you out of the bed in the morning, gets you fired up. My best, ask my wife, my best work days, when, when I come home and she says, oh, how was work today? And I go, oh, it was fantastic. She knows I probably had coffee or lunch with three different people. Because yeah. I just, I love it. I love it. I don't want to be in my office much. I don't want to, I have to, I have to fight to, to really be there and work at my computer because I just want to be around people. I want to have conversations. And so I say that as, as lead pastor, make an appointment. I had two people yesterday say, can we, can we get together? I had, I love this too. Had one lady uh, that I know, I know she and her husband, she said, Hey, what's your policy on meeting, meeting with a woman? Like, is it okay if we sit down together? I, I know you got to take that seriously. And I'm like, oh, absolutely. There's ways to do that. Like, first of all, come to the office. We've got, we've got space where French doors with glass in it. Mm-hmm. We can sit in our little living room area at the office and, and not worry about what people think about, about a guy and a girl sitting together. Um, and she's like, well, great. Well, I'm going to reach out tomorrow, and we're going to get together this week. And I got questions, and I love that. Mm. Yeah. So I want to invite more of that to, to all our listeners. Let's let's even if we end up doing a Zoom chat or a phone call, or, right? Uh, much less a cup of coffee. You know, mm-hmm. let's do it. So you heard it here. Uh, Lauren's schedule is wide open. Oh, I and, I have uh, ton. I have to squeeze it in between. I have video games most of Tuesdays, <laughs> uh, and then Wednesdays is my swim day. I swim right. all day on Wednesdays. But other than that, I'm wide open. All right. What day do you go golfing? <laughs> golfing is Fridays. Okay, sorry. Is it golfing or? Oh, it's not really golfing. <laughs> it's like, can you call it golfing? I call it. It's almost lawn mowing. Almost. <laughs> it's lawn mowing and ball losing. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Providing uh, golf balls to the golf course. This is where I correct everyone and say I still have barely played any golf, even though I want to play more golf and I can't swim. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wait, what? That's a, that's a whole other conversation. You can't swim. No, I can't swim. Is this this is going to make the podcast headline, isn't it? Oh yeah, for I sure. Don't, I don't know what to do with that. I'm 51 years old, and I can't swim. And you went to the lake with me last last year. Did you notice anything, Tanner? Yeah, you didn't get in the water. You, no, you no, I got in the water. Jackets. Come on, no, I had life a life jacket on. You had a life jacket on the whole time. You didn't float much in the water. Okay, okay. This summer. This summer we're having uh, we're having swim you're, you're lessons. Doing, you're it's, doing worship school. It's but we're humiliating. Swim school. I can't yeah. believe I just admitted that. Oh my on gosh! Our, on our airwaves, I can't either. Here's the deal. Here's the deal, guys. I grew up in Texas, the land of of a thousand lakes or however many lakes we have. I I learned to, to right, water right. ski and tube and all that, but with life jackets on. And then at ten, I moved to Germany, where a nobody swam because it's like it's the, it's got the same. Uh, climate as Michigan. Everything is gray and wet and overcast. So <laughs> nobody swims in Germany, except they have these unique indoor pools where you can go swim. So every once in a while I would go there, 
but you can jump off the diving board and just find a way to make it, you know, 15, 20 feet to the side. I never, <laughs> never learned how to swim. I feel so bad you for put you. Me, you put me a half mile offshore, and I would make it, and it would be totally ugly, and I would, I would have nothing left. I probably couldn't stand when I got to the shoreline, but it would, and it would, I don't know, take me half an hour to kind of backstroke it in or something. I don't know. I can't swim. <laughs> This is humiliating. Why are we talking about this? We 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 said things we don't talk about. You know? True, that's it's right. True. I'm gonna get so well much if we didn't. Uh, you're if gonna we get didn't, floaties. You're gonna show up I next just, week to preach, and you're gonna have floaties I on the stage. Just emasculated myself. <laughs> oh man. Well, if we didn't jump the shark at the beginning, oh I yeah, we, we now, definitely did. Now <laughs> we have totally jumped the shark at least twice now. Oh, I think, man. and then floundered <clears throat> around in the water trying to get back oh, to where stuff. we were going. Ooh. Okay. Hard turn, Lauren. Um, what? Uh, why did you bring Pastor YB into the mix rather than just do a normal service? Oh, that's a great question, Brooke. Um, Thank you. I brought it. Yes, you came prepared. That's a great question. Uh, first and foremost, uh, it's one thing to talk about something, mm. uh, which I can do. Uh, it's another thing to have someone who's living it, who has a different perspective, share. Uh and so, I guess on a side note, if I have my way, and man, this this is probably talking a big game, and I don't know if I, it's fair for me to raise the bar so high, but you guys have heard me share, if I have my way as a pastor here at Colonial, we're going to tell more and more stories. Uh, we still have to go back to the, to the truths of Scripture, the principles that we grab a hold of tightly from Scripture, uh, but interwoven in there constantly we have to hear from different people stories of how they're experiencing god stories of how they have been rescued stories of how they relationships have been restored stories of suffering and how god was there with them through that uh if it's just a whole lot of someone like me talking about things that i read in a book or that i experienced third hand like one that's terrible and boring but two that's not nearly as helpful and so that's a long way of coming back around to we're going to talk about just how we see the world differently than different people groups and and how, uh, for example, in the context of Just Mercy, what's it like to be black in 2021? What's it like to be uh, poor uh, in 2021? What's it like to be forgotten, out of sight, out of mind in 2021? Well, we need to find people who are experiencing that and can give words to it so that there's no debate. Is this real? Uh, is this really happening? Uh, we, I, even better to find someone like YB, who not only is different by the color of his skin and different by his upbringing and experiences and, and even the way he sees the world, but he also loves Jesus passionately. He's been captured by God's heart and restored and forgiven and given freedom and joy and life and the things that we know firsthand as well. And so he's one of us, and yet he's different. He's one of us, and yet he's, he sees the world differently. And we can learn so readily from, from him. And so specifically with YB, man, he has just been a gift. I love him. I just, his, he's, he's a great picture to me, kind of like Paul. I, I, I've said this for a long time about Paul that I study in the scriptures. Paul has this unique confidence, like this almost arrogance about him, 
completely in who Jesus is. And he has this simultaneous humility uh, that says, oh, of all the sinners in the world, I'm the worst. And to me, that's what I want to be like. I want to have that, that unique combination of cockiness about Jesus and Jesus alone and humility that's also Christ-like that that's defers to everyone else around me. That's, that's a unique blend. And so far, it's early in our friendship. I see that in YB. He's so confident in who God has made him to be and, and the things that God wants him to do with his life and the way he really believes he's called to serve and bless many people. And all at the same time, he's so humble about the things he still has to learn, the, the, the pitfalls he steps in personally. Uh, I love that we can talk about something difficult like race. And he's not pointing his finger and yelling. He's like, man, this is what my, my people group does too often. This is how we, we need to give you a better you know, assume better when you start talking mm-hmm. about this or that. Mm-hmm. Like, how winsome is that, you know? So yeah. I, I think he's been a blessing already to me personally in that I just, I just want to spend more time with him. It makes, me more, it makes me more open to what God wants to teach me through him. And it makes me want to uh, spend more time with, with George Davis down the street, who's another black pastor in town. Uh, it makes me want to spend t- more time with my friend Justin, who lives across the country, who's, who's got a very different worldview. And YB has given me that. And so I love that mm-hmm. while yesterday he gave us his own story, he also reaffirmed what Jesus calls us to all at the same time. And it didn't even feel remotely preachy to me. It felt, yeah, I could have said that. It means more in the moment coming from you. Love it. Mm-hmm. I- I'm curious, Tanner, what's your perspective on on the blessing of YB in these last couple weeks or, or to our conversation? YB has, uh, all, all, first, all the things that you just said. I mean, I, I, I totally affirm that. I see those things in him. But, dude, that guy is just full of joy. Mm. I, he, 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 like, inspires joy within the community. That like, And so it's infectious, you know? Like, mm. e- even to hear, like, his story things that he has experienced in his life and to represent such joy, man. Like, um, he's been a gift. He's been a gift to me in, uh, challenging ways, just in, in, in the ways of thought, uh, the way that he is very intentional with how he approaches a, a situation or, or a, a thought that he's going to give, uh, he's, he's honoring to the person he's given it to like several times, uh, in, during the interview, I'm I'm just being challenged, you know, like, and I didn't feel um, I didn't feel pointed at, you know. It felt like I'm in his living room and he's just loving me well, you know. And so to that degree, like he's just been such a he's been such an encouragement. Um, it seems like we've got to do a couple of things with him recently, and they have been some of it's been some of the most fun that I've had being able to do what we're doing as a church and in our community. And it excites me about what, what could be, you know, it excites me about like, it's like possibilities are opening up, you know? Can I interject and mm-hmm. say, um, one of the things that that's in the full interview, uh, that you need to give us some direction in a minute, Brooke, how we can watch that. But, uh, in the full interview at the very end, uh, I, I told YB this, 
my 15 year old daughter, when, when we were recording our interview last week, she goes, Hey, what are you doing? What do you, what do you need Rachel's room for? And why are you, why are you doing a recording? And I said, well, do you remember pastor YB? And you know, we, in the back in November, we partnered with unity church over at market street and tried to feed a ton of people for Thanksgiving. And she's like, Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. They were so fun. Can we do church with them? Yeah, and I told yeah. YB that, and this is after YB says I got a crazy idea. We should swap pulpits. Yeah. We should swap worship teams, and I am in. Like I, yeah. I just teaser for all you folks. I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know if it's a month from now or it's six months from now, but we are going to do church with Unity Church, and yeah. it's going to be memorable because it's, gonna be it's awesome. just it's just going to be fun. It's just going to be joy filled to partner with them, yeah. and that's another way of this conversation continuing. Frankly. Right. For sure, yeah, and 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 to say that, like I, I watching this weekend, I got a unique perspective. I wasn't on stage at all this weekend, and so I got to uh, see some things from a different from a different way than I normally do. Um, and the whole thing that was rattling around in my brain was, I got to go to their church, man. I got to go. I have to go. I got to go to Unity Church. I need to go spend get a weekend off. I can go over there, hang out. If if he has a church full of people who love like him. Who love like he does, who is intentional like he is, there is no doubt in my mind that is one of the most fun places to be. Mm. And uh and I'm just excited about where this could go. So we got to sit through a an interview, Lauren, that you did with with YB and and um and as you referred, we will have a full interview that we'll be able to post and people can watch later on that we'll post on, uh, on, on our YouTube channel on Facebook and, and we can send out some notifications that all of that stuff is available. Mm-hmm. Um, once we get it, once we get it there, but, uh, Lauren, as, as you, as we, we used, um, I think what, seven different clips from your, your interview mm-hmm. that was a little over an hour. Like what was it that stood out from that interview? I like, there's several things that, that he brought up that man really stuck in my head. I'm curious, like what, what are the things that, that really stuck out to you in this interview? Um, well, I hesitate to be redundant because you can even tell by how many clips I used Sunday morning in our teaching. There was so much that I wanted to share. I think I shared just if, if you're curious, I think I shared about 25, 26 minutes worth of an hour long interview. So there's still a lot more to share. Mm-hmm. One thing you did not see if you saw the teaching from yesterday morning and you haven't seen the full interview is just that we love each other. And and that we laughed a lot together, um, and so I, I'm I'm. It sounds weird, but I'm eager for people even to just get a sense that we're brothers, and it wasn't some scripted, you know. Oh, you say this, and then I'll say that. It was really just us hanging out, having a chat. I love. I want to say this. I, I love from the editing side because I got the opportunity to edit the full interview, create some clips and stuff, and uh, I love that the interview started. Because you pressed record, not because you intentionally started this. It was like mid conversation, y'all. And that's how skilled I, I am. By I the just way. got to grab a hold of like <laughs> y'all were just chatting and uh, jumping into smiling with each other and, and laughing, and uh, I got to see that. And I'm like, dude, what a beautiful picture! Two pastors of two different churches here in our city, and yet just um, just having a good time, hanging out with each other. Yeah. Like I, I just wanted to say that because man, it was it was a cool thing for me. Again, with audio trouble and Zoom sometimes works and sometimes doesn't, and you, it just it's just kind of luck of the draw with some things. But by far, one of my favorite projects we've done video. Oh, I love hearing that, Tanner. I love it. 
I love I love hearing it in part because I know you you went above and beyond your normal weekly work to make that happen, but also because I know you love our church and you want them to be blessed, and it means a lot to hear you have that perspective. I don't want to make too much of this, but my favorite moment in the interview that you probably could guess is when I brought up Black Lives Matter, and 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 can I just be yeah. this real and honest? I did not know where it was going to go. Like mm-hmm. as much as I feel like I have gotten to know YB and have a good sense of, I mean, he's a kingdom guy, and he's not, he's not, he's not gonna say something probably that I have major problems with. But still, I didn't, I didn't say, I didn't warn him. Hey, I'm gonna ask you about Black Lives Matter. I just put it on there and said, "What do you think of this?" And he shared, uh, I thought fairly eloquently, just what he thinks about BLM, what he thinks about Black Lives Matter, specifically not not the organization, but the just the 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 cry from a people group to to raise their hand and say, hey, hey, what about us? Hey, don't forget. I know I liked how he put it. He said, yeah, uh, segregation, we ended that. Yeah, Jim Crow laws, we ended that. Yeah, we've done this or that and the other, but that doesn't mean it's all good from his perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like, hey, hey, what about, what about... And so then I sprung it on him, and I said, well, what about the organization, though? Because as one of our church members even came up to me after the service yesterday and said, when you started talking about that, I, my heart started racing, yeah. and I was getting ready to get mad, right. and I was waiting yeah. for you to tell me that our church is going to support this organization out of D.C. or whatever. And then you said, hey, what do you think, YB, about this organization? And he looked puzzled, genuinely puzzled, and said, I don't know anything about that. That's not what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And I, in the interview, I cackle, I laugh because I'm just, yeah. I'm amazed at this moment that just happened. And, and I said it before from the stage yesterday. It's amazing to me, like forget that issue for a second. Right. It could be any issue how person A could be arguing with person B about an issue possibly finding out way later that you were talking about two different things. Like that's huge. Mm-hmm. Like think about how much time and energy is lost. Think about how much emotion maybe negatively toward each other is spent when you're not even talking, you're not hearing each other. You're not even talking about the same thing. So, so for example, and this might be a leap and this might get me in trouble too. Um, by the way, I haven't gotten any of those emails yet that I'm bracing mm-hmm. myself for. Um, but what if, this is where, back to BLM, what if stereotypical white person is watching an NBA game on TV and is frustrated think, seeing BLM, you know, big on the court, you know, on the NBA basketball court painted and thinking to himself or herself, why is the NBA pumping all this money into that organization in D.C.? Why are they trying to dismantle the nuclear family? Why are they trying to say this, that, and the other that I'm getting off their website? And the, the exact same time, you got some athletes running up and down a court, stepping on the B and the L and the M, putting a ball in a hoop that are not even thinking about that organization that are just saying, hey, what about my people? What about us? What about the plight of some folks I really care about? And they're talking about two different things. What if, I'm not even saying that is true. I'm saying YB helps me entertain that possibility and, and want to ask those questions instead of just camping out dogmatically in my corner, very sure of myself, hanging out with my white friends, talking about it cluelessly. 
So, so if I had to pick my favorite moment in a, in a really good hour, hour long moment with YB, I just love that moment. It's like an epiphany for me. And I don't know how well that was received or if it, how much sense it even made to people, but I would like to think it gives a lot of us pause. Basically getting, getting at the, the idea that the phrase black lives matter means something completely different yes. than the organization uh, yes. BLM or Black Lives Matter. I think it's important as, as a communicator, I wrestle with this too. You know, language changes too. Sometimes it changes quickly. Uh, the term, like just to throw a few out there, the term evangelical today mm-hmm. means something very different to different people. To some people, yeah. the word evangelical literally means a political voting block. Like mm-hmm. it's been used for the last at least three presidential elections like that on national news. They're not talking about faith. They're not talking about Christians. They're talking about a voting block of people. You know, 81% of evangelicals voted for Donald Trump, for example, something like that. Well, those they may not be people like me who claim to be evangelical. I, I'm an evangelical Christian. The word evangelical comes from, from a Greek word that means, you know, sharer of good news. It may have nothing to do with faith. It's, it's a people group. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people with evangelical circles that believe very different things, you know? And so language changes. Uh, the idea of social justice, that's a term that to some is associated now with liberal politics, with uh, um, secular hum- humanistic efforts. Mm-hmm. And to others, it's like, no, oh, no, no, that's in the Bible. No, 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 that's, that's, that's something that the Bible's teaching. And they could argue about that term, and they don't realize you're talking about two different things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'll speak for me as a, as a communicator, as a preacher. I'm probably, I'm probably getting in trouble from time to time. I've got to be careful about not using a word that means very different things to different people. I think Black Lives Matter is a great example of that. It just means different things to different people. <clears throat> and so that's part of what it means to spend time with people that are different than us and ask questions and be learners and listeners so we can discover their different understandings of language and, and some of the same things we're even concerned about. That stood out to me too. Um, and to hear it in, in that context is different than the context that I have had from your, from what you're, you're talking about, Lauren, that the context that I had was about the phrase, not necessarily about the organization. I remember a time that you and I had a conversation and, you said something similar, like about the organization, and I thought, "Oh, I don't, I don't know anything about the yeah, organization." Yeah. Uh, all I could think of was, "Well, it, from what I understood of the phrase, which is originally it was a lament, it was a, it was a tag at the end of a, at the end of a, of a, of a, um, a Facebook post after Trayvon Martin was killed, um, and and it was it was the, a lament of, you know, ah, oh, man, Black Lives Matter." Yeah. As opposed to the organization, right. which again, uh, like like you said, that that has a very different different meaning. Even and and you've used the example before, like when you were on, um, uh, we talked through the, the the makeup of the twelve disciples, and you you kind of modernized it for us and said, you know, like a Black Lives Matter activist, right? And even in the midst of this conversation, I can see two yeah. different what is that? What types does that of mean? people that that could yeah, be, you right? Know? Are you an activist that you're saying, "Hey, Black Lives Matter," or are you an activist for the the, org- the agenda of a particular BLM? organization? Yeah. The, the the question kind of on my mind when it comes to Black Lives Matter is like, where is the church in this? 
like organization or people mm. or or people group. Like you're talking about, act, are you an activist for the phrase? I'll say it that way: the phrase "Black Lives Matter" because it does, or the or the lament of Black Lives Matter. Are you an activist for the organization Black Lives? Where does the where is the church? Not colonial church specifically. I'm talking the church. Mm-hmm. Where are we? Like where are we in this? Um, which it kind of gets to why we what we said, you know, hard conversations, difficult conversations the church ignores, you know. Mm-hmm. Where <laughs> where are we? Because it seems to me, it seems to me that if the church was present in the way that it needs to be present, some of these issues wouldn't be there. And I don't, I don't, and I don't, I'm, I'm, I know I'm speaking a little definitively on some things, but like, I don't mean, you know, these atrocities or these these tragedies that happen. I mean, like, conversational gaps. Um, prox, go back to proximity. Where, where are we as the church in proximity, so that when when a pastor YB is saying something, we are not taking the only story in our head and attributing facts to what he is saying. That's not what he's saying at all because we don't have that, that proximity. So the question that just keeps raising up for me is where is the church in this? Um, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I think it's a complicated answer because, right. mm. oh, and I'm not a, great historian especially because despite the fact that you know i was you know born in the very very late 60s uh, or 20s no 60s okay december of 69 (laughs) barely barely a child of the 60s um but you know like the civil rights era is before my time right uh and all, all jokes aside and where was the church in that era right and it's a complicated answer because you could argue that a huge chunk of the church was silent, uh, especially in the South, uh, especially in some of the communities where it was just at its worst. Prejudice was at its worst. Treatment of, of minorities was at its worst. You can also argue that, you know, Martin Luther King, you know, pastor of a church and a lot of other church leaders uh, were right in the thick of the civil rights movement. Mm. Uh it's almost more okay. Where are different elements of the church? Because you could also yeah. you could also go down the list of denominations, and you could sure. fairly accurately say, well, that denomination was super active in the civil rights movement. That denomination equated following Jesus faithfully with fighting for the least of these and fighting for justice and being present with people right. who were suffering. And this denomination over here, this camp of quote unquote Christians, were either culpable by their silence or they were culpable by in their opposition right. to the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's a complicated question because I, I, that's where I would come back, and I, oof, I don't know how accurate <laughs> this is, but I feel, like, I feel like we're taking baby steps at Colonial Church. Right. I, I, I can only take people, for example, as a leader where I am, and I'm learning. I'm growing. And so I'll make it personal, which I want everybody who's journeying with us to do. What does this mean for me? What does it mean for me to love people who may have a very different experience in this life than me? What does it mean to be present with the least of these? What does it mean to have friends who think differently than me 
How do I love them well? How do I share Jesus with them? How, how does their faith in Jesus maybe change me? Uh, I think it starts with me, and as a leader, back to the church, where's the church? I get to try to take the church with me. I get to, I get to try to partner with other people like you guys and YB and others. Let's let's continue on this journey of discovery and faithfulness. And at some level, I don't want to beat ourselves up about what we're not doing. Uh, I think the Holy Spirit can and will convict us. I think we just got to be faithful. I, I, it also brings me back to why B and I joke in this interview. At some point, I said, "Man, this is not how you grow a church real big." Talking about these things, yeah, you know? <laughs> right. You talk about you can talk about. Um, forgiveness and God's love for us and 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 man people love that stuff it's still truth and we got to talk about it but you talk about God calling us up and out to be his people that requires sacrifice <laughs> not the most fun thing it's, no it's yeah. it's there's a reason people get up and leave there's right. a reason people go well, ah, it, you, I'm gonna go try uh, this other church I don't remember I, I don't remember if you said this last weekend or if you said it the weekend before but you said we were talking about Matthew Matthew 25, mm-hmm. um, and you said there's a reason, like, he was on the cross not too long after this. Right. Um, there's a reason mm-hmm. why people just were not okay with this. Right. Well, frankly, at the risk of trying to step into a deeper theological truth, we associate the cross. Can we just be real for a second? As, as Baptists mm-hmm. and, and in this, this camp of conservative Protestant life, we associate the cross with victory. What, what do we do every Easter? Oh, yeah. We sing songs, touchdown, my yeah. hands are in the air, God is so good, look how he overcame death, he overcame sin. Sure. With good reason, mm-hmm. it's victory. Right. And we forget what led up to that. We forget the cross and Friday and Thursday night, and, and frankly, days and weeks and months leading up to this was about suffering. And Jesus invites us to partner with him in self-sacrifice. Jesus invites us to partner with him in giving our lives away all the way to death. Mm. There's a reason why us good Baptists jump right past Friday to Sunday. (laughs) You know? Yeah. And, and I've, I, my, I know you've got a Methodist upbringing Mm -hmm. as a kid, Tanner. Mm -hmm. That was one of the gifts of the Methodist church to me Mm -hmm. is we, we got together on a Friday night. I was a 20 something youth pastor and I'd never been to a good Friday service Mm -hmm. in my life. And it was somber and it was sad. And the lights eventually all went off and we walked from there to our cars in total silence. We were instructed to do so. And and I went home depressed Mm -hmm. Yep. And I remember having these mixed feelings of thinking, this is wrong. Why are we doing this? Because right. I'd grown up indoctrinated uh-huh. that Easter's a good thing. Easter's victory. And at the same time, it was this gift of a new understanding of the links that Jesus went to. Right. And the life he calls us to, to mm. suffer and to die to self. And um, to this point, I, I think there's a reason we need to, to teach Golly, I'm convicted right now. We need to teach more on on suffering with Jesus and giving our lives away. It's not how you grow a big church. It's not. No, <laughs> no, it's not. How do you sing about that? <laughs> do you right? know what I mean? Like, how do you, how do you, uh, um, just questions in my head? You know, like, how do you sing about suffering with Jesus? How do you sing about how do you sing about tension 
that we're experiencing. <laughs> that's the worst pastor's job, man. I'll let him figure that out. I think that's the I think that's the beauty of um, <laughs> the different expressions of the church. Like you talk about, where's the church in all of this? That the the church is there, but that's generalizing as the overall church. But the different aspects of of the church and how they break down. Um, you know, they respond to things very differently. Like, you know, our church and, and maybe you want to talk about Baptists or evangelicals or whatever, we tend to camp on the, on the victory side of Easter, (laughs) but there are, are other expressions of the church that they are, you know, familiar with lament. And, and if you talk about the black church historically and the ways that they have struggled through, um, the existence of having that church and they've learned it differently. And so for them and other, other expressions like lament is not difficult for them. And so I think, I think that's one of the things that's like, we have to, we have to know how to learn from other people in the same way that that's what we're, what we're pushing for here and talking to pastor YB and, and hearing a different perspective and, um, you know, how do we learn from somebody else? That's not Brooke, you're, you're right on. Let me, let me affirm that you're right on. That's, that's, that is hand in hand with what we're talking about. Even not just understanding a different person, you know, me understanding YB as a black man better, me understanding someone who grew up in a different type of community better, so I can bless them, but also so I can learn myself. But also as a church, man, you hit it on the head. I'm glad you brought this up, Tanner, because in the same way the Methodist church blessed me as a Baptist kid, uh, like partnering with different kinds of churches that are, are focusing on different elements of living out our faith is a really beautiful thing. Right. There's a reason we're all divided into these different denominations. In, sure. in part, it's called sin. But in part, it's because we, we just try to focus on different aspects of truth. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up Baptist where everything was about that decision you made to follow Jesus. When have you accepted Christ? If you died tonight, would you go, you know, mm-hmm. would you go to heaven? Mm-hmm. And that's a gift to my Methodist friends, for example, that I've made over the years, because they don't even think about that. They don't talk about when did life start? When was I regenerated and the Holy Spirit came to live within me and I was made clean and mm-hmm. and my my name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life, as it says right, yeah, in yeah, Scripture. Yeah. But then my Methodist friends, the gift they gave to me is they are all about process. They're all about the journey. And they're all about an ongoing maturing process. Well, guess what? We didn't talk about that in the church I grew up in. We just talked about the beginning, the beginning, the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so the gift of being a part of both of those expressions of the church and, and having friends in both of those expressions of the church just opens my eyes to what God invites us into. Uh, and then you partner with someone who's black. Yeah. And, and in this case, Pentecostal. Yeah. And, and, oh, I, there's things we can learn from each other. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, I think that's good because, you know, we all know this. The church, the church is made up of, of a bunch of different people. And, uh, we all bring our unique perspective into that. And, um, I think if, if, if we can gain proximity, even just to one, even just to one person that is a little different than us or thinks a little bit differently, um, and and going back to what you said at the beginning, Lauren, was being willing to believe that there is truth to what this other person is saying. Yeah. Am I willing to believe it? Yes. Um, if we can do that, then we see transformation. Right. Can I, can I read this quote? Um, 
There's a quote I found that really has, has made me just think about what you just said, Tanner. We, back to empathy. Right. Uh, and this idea of, of really trying to understand someone else, put ourselves in their shoes. This is what this guy writes. He says, uh, obviously, empathy involves listening, but it is a certain kind of listening. It's a, it's a kind of listening that's not defensive, not critical, not suspicious. It's the opposite of the kind of listening that a jury does when listening to witnesses. I love that picture. Oof. Like, I'm picturing myself sitting on a jury. My arms are folded. I'm not really sure I believe this witness. Mm. Got my skeptical hat on. Uh, that's not what he's talking about. This author says the kind of listening which is necessary for empathy is sympathetic listening. It's believing the story of the other. Ooh. And that's even at, even at the risk of, of finding out it's not true or finding out, oh, man, they shouldn't have seen it that way. They were so wounded. That's how they saw it. They were so jaded by what happened to them. That's how they saw it. But what if at least at first I am listening to that person choosing to believe that that's true? It changes how I love them. It changes how I take in what maybe I need to learn. Uh, it changes the trust level that's built between us. It changes everything. Mm. What if we do that to the least of these, with the least of these? What if we do that to people who go to different kinds of churches who claim to follow Jesus like we do, but they see the world different? What if we risk getting it wrong, <laughs> risk being wrong about something, but we are erring on the side of loving so well that we're choosing to believe and trust in them. I, that's a different way of living. I want to live that way. That's a grace-filled living. It's grace-filled. It's messy, it's risky, and it's grace-filled. Yes. Mm. I'll die on that hill. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the other things in the uh, in the full interview that we didn't get to um, on Sunday is uh, a story that you, uh, you shared, or not a story, a, a conversation you shared from uh, your friend Justin. You mentioned him earlier. Sure. How about how about I'll share it just as a as a question maybe to to wrap up and leave us with I'll let you wrap us up as always but um because it's such a big question we could probably talk about this for half an hour or more yeah I was talking to my black pastor friend in North Carolina who basically said the same thing that my white young life friend in Colorado said to me about a year ago I love that they both kind of shared the same sentiment. Justin, uh, this past couple weeks, said, I don't like the question, am I racist? Am I a racist? Or is that guy a racist? Or is she a racist? Or are you a racist? I like the question, how does racism manifest itself in me? And he's, he's acknowledging in that question, it's not, it's not all or nothing. I, li I, like, mm. I'd li I like to think, I am not a racist. I, guys, I am not a racist. But what he is implying in, in switching the question is that, okay, there's a little bit of prejudice in every single one of us. Uh, you know, when someone walks in the door, I judge them by the clothes they're wearing. I judge them by the, the brand on their hat, the shoes they're wearing. I judge them by the color of their skin. I judge them by um, their age. Uh, when they start talking, I judge them by their accent. I, I mean, that's me. Am I the only one that does that? I, just, I make these instant assumptions, most of them subconsciously, based on appearance, sound, to think that there are not prejudices in me about people who are very different than me, colors of their skin and those kind of blatant things. 
that's just fooling myself. Even if I'm not truly a racist, I'm not a hater, I'm not, I'm certainly not acting out of hatred. The question I think is better, how does racism manifest itself in my life? Mm. I love back to, to Jesus. That's the humility of teachability of, of Paul, for example. Right. It's the confidence that, okay, God's got some good stuff to teach me in this. If I ask that question, God's going to bless me. He's going to make me a better lover of people. It's a good thing. And it's the humility of going, yeah, I still got work to do. I still, <laughs> I still have some things that need to grow up in me, change that needs to happen in me. How does racism manifest itself in my life? Maybe that's a good way to continue this conversation over the many weeks and months ahead of us, even though we're stepping out of this series. It's like, hey, let's not stop asking ourselves, how, how does racism manifest itself in my life? To talk about in our groups and with our friends and with our spouses and how, how is that creeping up into the way I act and the way I treat people? Uh, it's a teachable posture that I would love for us to have. Yeah, I think it's a great it 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 uh, it brings up so much in my head, and you know makes it's that it's that uh, that argument between um, uh, if I'm racist, I have a hood on, and you know I'm burning crosses right. versus I I'm not, so I'm a good person, Ooh. and I go to church, and right, you know that that kind of argument. But this one cuts that out and says, okay, but that's not what we're saying. It's not are you a hooded KKK <laughs> member versus do you you know love Jesus Ooh. and all people. Um, regardless of color, uh, and so I think it's great. It, it, it makes me ask um, the question about uh, intent versus impact. You know, how are I, I don't mean that to be a racist thing, but maybe the impact is. So I think those mm. are those are really good questions. Mm. Um, one other question before we wrap up here, um, specific to our community, uh, Lauren. I'll, I'll leave you with this one, and then we will we will pause it. Um, specific to our community, what can we be doing now to heal racial trauma and bring about real change? Ooh. Oh, can I can I just offer up a few things before Lauren just gives well, us his wisdom on by that? By all means, read now. Mm. Don't don't wait on a podcast to tell you what to do. Don't wait on a, a sermon series or a program or something. Get informed. Read. Take in different views, different thoughts. Mm. Seek them out. Um, listen to another podcast. Just get some information. Information is not always the best thing, but when you don't have it, like if it in a really beautiful way, information can lead to transformation. I'm in the middle of being transformed in the way that I think, even with the question that was asked, how does racism manifest itself in my life? I don't know because I'm not seeking out the things that might call that out in me. Mm. Read, listen, seek, have conversation. Mm. We're not going to create something that's going to go, we're going to have this big event we're not gonna that's going to solve this. it. I, I'll just, I don't have any, all your jokes about my wisdom. I don't have anything other than to affirm that. Be intentional. Mm. Uh, specifically, I talked about cultivating curiosity with strangers mm -hmm. yesterday. Mm -hmm. If every single one of us just has a, a simple goal, one stranger each week, one stranger I'm going to be curious with and try to have a conversation with, try to get to know, it may go nowhere. You may fail a couple, three times in a given week and have nothing to show for it. It may be, you know, someone that you go to the same convenience store 
four times a week and you learn her name and you learn what's going on in her life and you bless her and you figure out a little bit more of what it means to be a blessing to her. Uh, I'm, I'm making that up. Intentionality is the theme of what you're saying, Tanner. Read intentionally. Seek out a stranger intentionally. Mm. Uh, ask us for hey, give us give me a resource, give me a book, give me a podcast to listen to, give me give me something. Hey, let's go have coffee. Let's talk face to face. Intentionality is the key. I think it, we're not going to program it. We're not Colonial Church in a couple months is not going to have some amazing program that everybody gets to check a box and slip slip into. Uh, it's messy day to day relational life, but we want we do want to be a resource to you for sure. Yeah. Well, we talked about that last week in, in, in the same thing you're saying, Lauren, is that we're not going to program all the ways to to meet the least of these or to heal racial trauma and all of that. And I think the the only things that we can do, as you guys both said, is, you know, we can be intentional with our time and we can get to know the people that are around us. It's so prescriptive for us to say, well, this is how you fix it when we don't have relationships with people that are feeling yeah. those things. All right, let's pause this conversation. Um, we could go on for forever, I'm sure, with so many other ways that this conversation can go. Um, Lauren, what can we expect next week as we wrap this sucker up and we move on to the I'm next I'm excited one? about moving into a new teaching series. Uh, we're going to look at the first couple verses of Romans 12, which uh, a lot of us know are some of the most oft-quoted uh, lines from Paul. Uh, it's hand-in-hand with, frankly, what we've been talking about these last couple of weeks is it's it's God changing the way we think, uh, transforming us from the inside out. So a little spoiler alert there. I would encourage people, if you're not familiar with Romans, Paul's long letter to the early church of Rome, uh, if you're ambitious, read the whole letter. If you want to just read Romans chapter 12, uh, two, three, four times before we get together this weekend, I think that'd be a good thing. Uh, but I'm I'm eager to... to uh, un- to dive into that with our church for sure. And then Easter's just around the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, little teaser, we're, we're talking about inviting more people back to church for Easter, having more than one service, some different ways to serve and help make, help make that happen. Uh, I'm getting a little excited about the spring mm-hmm. and uh, this virus numbers going down. And, oh, I'm just, I've got my hopes up mm-hmm. that we're going to be able to, to meet together more in larger numbers and celebrate and and be the people of God together. So, yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to moving ahead. And we also have some. Uh, we're we're in the planning stages of how to have some other conversations with some of the um, other major events that are going on around us, so we can work those in as well. The only thing I'll mention real quick is uh, some of you may not have even heard of Ravi Zacharias, but but there is a lot of news lately about another Christian leader, specifically Ravi Zacharias, who has fallen from grace. And it's just tragic. There, anybody who's paying attention to the news the last several years, there just seems to be another megachurch leader or celebrity Christian who falls flat on his or her face. Uh, a lot of men falling on their face in the area of sexual sin, and it's just, oh, it's just heartbreaking and frustrating and discouraging. And so a couple people have asked even lately, are we going to talk about that as a church? Are we going to talk about the podcast, on the podcast? And the, the one thing I know we're going to do, this is a seed to plant for future conversation, we're going to be real transparent with our people uh, in the coming weeks about 
how do we hold each other accountable? How do our pastors, our elders, our church leaders, how do we make sure that we're not over in the corner rebelling and living in darkness? How do we support each other? How do we hold each other to, to pursuing holiness and, and faithfulness to Jesus? Uh, I know our elders are taking that seriously. I know as pastors, we're talking about that. More than one of us has loved the ministry, for example, of Ravi Zacharias. How do we even process that? Just this mm-hmm. this loss of a hero, uh, the discouragement that comes with that. I'll go ahead and say Jordan, Pastor Jordan, loves Ravi Zacharias and has made such a positive impact on Jordan's life. And I know he's just so frustrated and mad. And mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want, I shouldn't put words in Jordan's mouth. In fact, we should give him an opportunity to join us one of the sure. next two or three weeks and talk about that. But we share with him just a real lament about watching Christian leaders fall. We've had Christian leaders here at Colonial Church fall in the mm-hmm. past. We need to talk about that. Let's right. let's step into those waters of transparency and and vulnerability yeah. with our people because every single one of us is capable of just making awful choices and it's why we need to be in community. It's why we need to ask each other the hard questions and uh, so yeah, that's a little teaser for some things we we need to talk about over the next few weeks. Yeah, we'll, we'll start working on those and how we can work them in. So as we pause this conversation and uh, and look to next week, we want your questions. Um, as we as we said earlier, we're going to post that full interview um, that Lauren had, uh, the conversation, the whole course conversation with uh, Pastor Youngblood from Unity Church. We're going to post that. It will be on our YouTube channel as well as uh, links in all of the other places so that you can make sure you can find it. If you have questions after you watch that, as you're watching it, write down your questions, send them in. We will come back to them if we need to. Any anything that we that we can do to uh, to bring your questions into our conversations and and make this a a community thing, we want to do that. So send us your questions. Podcast at colonialchurch.com. Um, make sure you uh, you check out the 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 interview, the full interview. Watch the service from this past weekend if you missed out. And um, and yeah, we will get back to it, guys. Thank you for being here. And we will see you all next week. You've been listening to the E6 podcast from Colonial Church. For more information about Colonial, please visit colonialchurch.com or download our app from the App Store or the Google Play Store. You can send us your thoughts, your feedback, and questions to our email, podcast at colonialchurch.com. And please leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we'll pick up the conversation again next week.